So we had a uh, advanced aviation advisory committee meeting on April 26th. Um, uh, FPVFC was a significant uh, participant in uh, tasking group 14 and 15. And um, tasking group 14, um, as we mentioned, has some excellent tips and techniques if you're interested in <coughs> submitting a waiver for uh, Beyond Visual Line of Sight. Uh, Jen Player and Vic Moss uh, were the authors behind this. I helped. and. Um, uh, it's an excellent piece of work. Uh, so if you're familiar in this uh, game, the FAA does not give us tips and techniques. They do have a pretty good set of questions. If you're a part 107 looking for a BV loss waiver, um, but they don't, they don't really help. Uh, you're on your own. It's almost and like so they don't want you to get a waiver. Well, <laughs> they don't yeah, make they it don't, easy. Well, they don't make it easy and they really do not want you to copy and paste. And so if you watch, uh, uh, Vic Moss's uh, video, I, I uh, urged him to uh, to pass that along because as we spoke with the uh, the waiver team uh, in preparation for this work, uh, <coughs> they were adamant. You know, if people copy and paste, you know, they get it, and either they'll just deny it or they'll start quizzing you on things you don't know about and then deny it. So don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. Um, and so some good tips, good techniques in TG14, TG15. If you're opening up some type of uh, drone operations uh, in the city, in a, uh, in a in an area with a community that you have to talk to. So whether you have to talk to um, politicians or uh, local, muni local municipalities or school districts or, 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 or. So there's a good uh, <coughs> primer on how and who to do that. And that's what uh, DG15 was all about. So that's written up on the ebook. If you search on AC, um, next topic was there is a uh, a Freya P because we we never speak in anything but acronyms. <laughs> so it's the uh, FAA recognized identification area programmatic environmental assessment. So this is very frustrating to us. This was uh, we've mentioned this a couple times. It had a it was a document that was out for comments. Comments were due today. We submitted them on the uh, on behalf of us, uh, FBVFC, as well as the Flight Test Community Association, as well as STEM Plus C. Uh, we were at odds with uh, the AMA on a number of things in the document, and the the document was written um, by the FAA and obviously with uh, the AMA. So we have about four pages there. <clears throat> we think that this document could be very significant if you are. Uh, if you want to establish a, a FRIA in a new location, uh, the reason being is that the FAA is using the uh, um, environmental uh, protection and any climate work um, and a environmental impact statement in order to uh, uh, approve a FRIA uh, at a new location. So this this to me is uh, we um, we complained about the overall uh, lack of participation of the other organizations uh, and just working with the AMA. We complained about the well, invalid assumptions. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily ahead, a lack of participation. It was uh, the a the FAA not reaching out and inviting or seeking participation from the other CBOs. Yes, well said. 
um, and we um, we also uh, are concerned about the the impact of this, which will which we feel will mean there'll be far fewer uh, FRIAs approved, and so the uh, the small number of four thousand FRIAs may come to pass because uh, the FAA is looking like they're doing their darndest to uh, to minimize the number. So this is a piece of work that um, so we sent in some rather scathing. Uh, comments. Uh, we'll get them up and uh, available to uh, uh, to our community, and that'll be available. And, and as I said, we worked uh, with FTCA, and we've got also the endorsement of STEM plus C. So three of the four <coughs> CBOs agree with the positions that we've taken on this. Um, this is um, an area that I think we can provide some value in that uh, we have we're having a we have a better and better understanding of UAS regulations and learning and reading uh, hundreds of pages of regulation and seeing where there are issues issues for us. I think. Um, <coughs> thank you, TextJet. That's uh, appreciate that. Yeah, there was a few people um, discussing our response in Discord where we posted it, and uh, everybody was definitely on our side, saying we did a great job. Some uh, thank you very much. Some people were really happy with the way you called some things out in that document. <laughs> and Great. I said yeah. that was some of that. Those words were all Dave's. That's that's Dave's way of yeah. saying that. <laughs> I, think, I forget well, exactly you. what somebody highlighted. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, we'll take it as a positive. Um, the, yeah, the, this document is uh, is quite upsetting because it is. It was about 60 pages of um, uh, FAA speak, followed by about 40 pages of uh, appendices. Uh, and it was difficult to get through. Um, it it's, was uh, way more arcane than uh, uh, remote ID regulations. Yeah. And uh, if we just want to highlight a couple of crazy things in there, that, like. <coughs> they just flat out said, oh, the AMA represents 95% of the people in the hobby which right. obviously we know is not true, not even close. Yeah, we our estimate is about 5.6%. So they base their entire document on a lot of bad assumptions. Right, right. And, and the fact, there was also an interesting, there's a summary table, and you look at the table, it's on page 48, I think. And uh, the table's like, oh, it sounds like they did a good job, and this is a real help to us. You just say, no, you know, it doesn't apply, doesn't apply, doesn't apply. Great, we're all done. Then if you go back and read the detail on the wildlife area, which has to do with endangered species, if you have a new location, you could trigger an environmental impact statement or an endangered, endangered species investigation. These things are big money, and I cannot envision any organization that I've been associated with being able to afford it that flies RC, that flies drones at a field, <clears throat> being able to afford this. So this is uh, a great way uh, for the FAA to say, yeah, no, uh, declined. Yeah, it's definitely written um, in a way where they're, they're thinking about AMA's existing fields and trying to grandfather those in, but make it difficult possibly for any new FRIAs to exist. Although right. they did make and, the definition of a, an existing flying site as any place somebody from a current CBO is flying. So if you're right. flying in your backyard, so, that's an existing space. I'm flying all over field. the place. That's right. right. Exi all existing Parks. locations. 
Right. And I think, you know, parks, school grounds, things like that, we should articulate as existing flying locations. Absolutely agree. Um, I doubt the FAA sees so it that way, but that's what it was written it, in the document. The way it's written, is it so that even if after all of this is a thing, you start flying at a field, <laughs> then a month later you choose to apply for free. Oh, it's an existing field. Hey, I, th- I think it was existing as before September this year, 2023 okay. would be my guess. So what's, um, oh, where is my train of thought going? Um, oh, one of the interesting, or an important point of this whole FRIA uh, P thing, programmatic environmental assessment, is that it'll go into effect. So there, uh, the, we end the, uh, the period of the comment period today. Now there starts a 60 day period for any litigation that might uh, occur. And then it goes into effect, assuming that there's no dramatic litigation. Now, certainly our comments recommend that they start over. Uh, we, you know, we feel that the, the entire document is uh, invalid, <clears throat> but you know, we'll see what happens with that. My guess is uh, they'll just say a nice try and uh, put it in place. If the FAA goes ahead and puts this uh, free AP uh, in, in, into place, I really could see that the, the FAA would use it as a, as a way to not uh, approve free as. Worse than that, the thing that really makes me nervous is that they could open up a uh, a uh, environmental impact study and deny the FRIA, but the EIS still goes forward. So you can't fly there because there's an open EIS. So they could shut down existing flying fields, deny them FRIA status, and the fields are shut down. So this is like the you know that I I feel that's an unintended consequence, but it's absolutely an a consequence that is very plausible. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. So, and the, the next item is a, uh, there's a, another, yet another document from the FAA, uh, the FAA noise policy review. And so it's similar to this, uh, uh free AP comments are due, uh, now for <coughs> this document by July 31, 2023. So we'll have comments on that. I feel that this is um, very important to us because in the work that we did on the Beyond Visual Line of Sight Aviation Rulemaking Committee, we had the, um, it was the privilege of working with the FAA uh, NEPA people, the the folks who work with uh, setting up airports and they're working with noise uh, concerns all the time. And so, the number one issue from an environmental perspective that the FAA deals with is noise. So we should take this very seriously <coughs> because um, the research that we did in the environmental subgroup in the BB Loss Arc identified some research papers that uh, articulate or assert that uh, the frequency of our uh, motors with drones is annoying. It's buzzing and so it's not loud. And so it's not a decibel uh, issue, but the frequency is an issue. So I can see someone's going to bring up a toroidal props uh, very quickly. But but this is, so again, this is something we think we're uh, capable of doing uh, and we can uh, help uh, the community. So we're uh, going to dig into this document and uh, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, Mead says they should um, have to define what frequencies are annoying. In the research paper, they absolutely did. And of course, it was done in Europe, not not in the United States. You know, why is it that you know research is um, anywhere but the U.S. these days? Okay, um, that's all I had for the FAO. Should we should also so our saga with the uh, with Frias continues. Uh, pretty much no no response. We continue to to plead with the FAA. We really would like access to the API so we can make applying for Frias easier. No, pretty much no response. Not pretty much. No response there. Um, and we are uh, now on the next re uh, revision of our safety guidelines. Uh, thanks to the guys for um, uh, creating yet another revision. We've had a, another review. Um, and so we're uh, we're being asked to please try to wrap that up by 25 May. So uh, we'll be posting uh, our updated safety guidelines. We're making some progress there. I think we're at 15 or 16 pages, Dan, something in that neighborhood. Yeah, uh, I just that's too long. Way too long, for sure. Way too long, yes. Um, and yeah, full... I memorize the entire thing, and we've been writing it. And full of right. stuff that's not necessarily a guideline either, just uh, explaining why this is in the guidelines, not what the guideline is. Yep, yep. Okay. So if we could then move to the articles that uh, that Josh, I'll say, I think started passing out. I bet it's hard. Okay, uh, the the first one. Let's see. That DJI. Is the, thank you, thank you, Alex. Okay, watch stream. Let's see if I can do that. Oh, wow! How magical, even on the iPad. Fantastic. So this is interesting to me. So. I've had uh, experience working with intellectual property issues with Chinese companies. It's never fun. Um, uh, Chinese companies generally don't recognize a lot of uh, intellectual property laws from uh, other parts of the world. Um, and so now they're being uh, sued and this uh, <coughs> these patents are sort of um, uh, screwy in that uh, they were uh Textron was awarded two hundred and seventy nine million dollars. But as you read the article, I tend to side with DJI on this one. I didn't think I would, but it's it looks a little wacky. It looks you know very vague and um you know there are the, there's vehicle following and automatic hovering and uh having uh written patents and uh proud to have a couple of patents with my name on them, not as the first first uh, entry, but I'm participating. Um, can't get bad, only an implementation. Um, so this patent exists. Uh, there's the uh, the patent number, uh, 8014909. Um, but the uh, this jury in Texas uh, awarded uh, Textron <coughs> $279 million. So this, th this is, uh, to me, unfortunate. This is not a great way. This is not a good look. Uh, for the drone industry, and it's not a good thing, and I don't see it as a as a real positive. They haven't put a stop on this yet, right? Because the I think the the article that I saw was like, well, if they're actually in violation of patents, they shouldn't be allowed to sell those drones, or they would have to pay uh, Textron to continue yeah, they to sell the did, drones that infringe under the patents. Yeah, they did not do a cease and desist order, right? Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I think if you know if they tried that, and uh, yeah, uh, Meat says the. The patents are hilariously broad. Um, 
lots of patents are really broad. Um, having I had the um, displeasure of working with uh, a couple of troll companies and the company's uh, sole existence is to buy patents that are broad and then come uh, and uh, litigate against a large company and see if they can get away with uh, a settlement. And that's what they do for a business. They don't produce product. They just uh, have a, a battery of uh, attorneys <coughs> and it's a nightmare. Uh, if you're trying to deliver product, it's it's uh, a real impediment because there is always, uh, just as Bundy was saying, that uh, cease and desist is always, uh, you know, a they could get the right judge and uh, bang, you know, you can't sell your product until the uh, litigation is complete. Yeah, and uh, some comments. I doubt they uh, doubt they're going to stop DJI. I, I agree. The size of DJI no, is a I, large company. I think he's saying they're not going to stop with just uh, attacking DJI. Uh, they're going to use this against uh, other companies as well. I mean, of course you would. Why wouldn't you do that with Skydio? Yeah, with Skydio, Autel, yeah. and all these companies. Right. Like, there's no reason not to. If you won the patent for DJI, you're going to win for everybody else for sure. You know what I mean? Right. You, you set the president. Point. And you look weak if you you know if you don't. So I agree. It helps your case yeah. if you if you can uh, continue. Or they could just be trying to get rid of DJI and let other companies. Well, they yeah, won't that for that be... amount of money. Does yeah. patents do patents work like trademark? I think it's trademarks or copyright. I don't remember which one, but you have to defend. But then, do you still do you have to defend patents or patents work without defense? Patents work without defense. Okay, copyright trade, is like trade. if people keep using it, you have to defend it, right? But That's if, correct. Okay. You have to demonstrate that you have visibly uh, registered it and that you are visibly using it <coughs> and um, and protect, you know, protecting it. And so in publications okay. that you use it, uh, you've identified it as a copyright. Uh, and uh, yeah, so yes, there is an absolute big, uh, big difference. Okay. On to the next article with drone tag. Yes. Okay, so these guys in drone tag are great, and so um, Lucas Birchall has been in touch with us, and he's created a a series of remote ID uh, products, uh, and they have a, a website. If you scroll down there, it's drone remote id dot com, and so the website uh, that they're putting together is uh, an effort to um, communicate on uh, remote ID topics. And we think that's great. Um, the, uh, these folks are in uh, Prague, Czech Republic. Um, my experience with working with uh, people across the Czech Republic is fantastic. Just as a, the, uh, uh, the educational system there is great. So lots of deep math, great comp sci people. And uh, as evidenced by drone tag, these look looks like it'd be a, a great company. It's about 25 people. And uh, they've created, as I said, a number of remote ID uh, modules. <coughs> they have a sense of humor as well um, in that the they've created a, uh, a hobby specific uh, module and they call that the BS module. And so I, I thought, oh my gosh, they, they don't get the uh, the US idiom. And so I quietly sent a note to uh, uh, to Lucas, and they get it completely. They understand, and they feel the same way we do about uh, remote ID. So theirs is the BS module. So uh, I appreciate their sense of humor. Uh, it's a hardworking uh, group, and they are located in Prague, uh, Czech Republic. 
And it looks like this website has a list of all the currently available remote ID modules mm -hmm. and uh, like a comparison yep. of features. Excellent. Chart here. Like whether uh, they support Bluetooth 5, 4, yeah, Wi-Fi. The, yeah, can't scroll and see the things at the same time. Well, I guess wait. <laughs> nope, that, that's just oh, you can shrink it. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, here we go. I had it. There we go. Now I can. And they oh, go the oh, weight and the price. Too. Ooh, that's that is, pricey. Ouch. That's, that's a good list. Drone yeah. Tag Mini 180 US. Yeah. Wow. Good for them. Good piece of work. So we've talked about What's a <laughs> we've talked okay. about a flight test broadcast module that is um, recreational specific. Uh, we received uh, FAA approval, declaration of compliance approval on that last night. So, ex, you know, as the uh, expression is, watch this space. Expect so to hear more from flight test about that. People were talking about that uh, in one of our channels earlier today. So I'm assuming the one that they were talking about that doesn't mention flight test at all it sounds very generic is the you're saying that is the flight test one and that got through the approval or well, the declaration of compliance process yes yes and yes i submitted it and so yes that that was uh that was flight test work and uh flight test is happy to um uh, talk about our role in that and we're we're proud of that and thank and thank and we're grateful to the flight test folks and the uh, company is a U.S. firm. Uh, so, as I say, we'll be talking uh, more about that in depth. And um, uh, it's our plan to get a hold of uh, one of those uh, broadcast modules for each of uh, FPVFC uh, folks that you uh, see on these calls. <coughs> Alex wants a bunch of them so that he can check them in a race, which makes a ton of sense. We'll see how, how many we can get to Alex. Okay, uh, anything else uh, around our room on or any questions about uh, remote ID and so drone tag? TextJet was wondering about the FCC ID that was listed for the flight test module and that no one can find that on the FCC website. It's, it, it's listed as the generic module, not the FCC ID for a specific module because that's a type of module, not a specific module. So it would have to have a specific FCC ID, not a general one. That's why people are wondering. Yeah. Yeah, the module definitely has uh, FCC uh, Part 15 approval. Uh, absolutely. And CB Runner's asking about the cost, but I'm assuming that's all will be announced later. Uh, it's not quite yeah, we'll, we'll, ready yet. Right. Almost, almost there. We'll let you know soon. <coughs> what is the module used? I I don't the, know the uh, the GPS the, module. I assume he's asking there. Yeah, I can get, I can get, I can find out uh, as we do the announcement. We'll make sure that we, uh, that we detail out uh, what the GPS is, what are the Bluetooth. Uh, I don't imagine that folks are, you know, it will cost thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, no, it's not going to cost thirty dollars. Um, <coughs> um, uh, the Bluetooth module. Uh, I, I, okay. Uh, we'll get an, we'll get an answer on the Bluetooth. Um, uh, it, it transmits both uh, for Bluetooth 4 and Bluetooth 5, so Bluetooth 5 for Beacon. Um, and so it will, uh, and we've also got a couple of UARTs so that we can make sure that we can talk to flight controllers in as much as it's a, as it's a GPS. Okay. Anything else on that? 
Okay, I'm guessing a lot of people will have questions on the flight test module that uh, hopefully those answers will be out there so. once or soon once the, their, the flight test is ready to publish all that. Yes, yes. Okay, let's see. The next article. Okay, so this one puzzled me. Uh, modal AI launches 11-gram voxel to mini to advance the industry towards the smallest AI drones. Okay, so Alex, did this puzzle you as much as it did me? If you scan down through this, it looks like they, they wrote a software development toolkit for it. Uh, they don't mention any <coughs> of the um, uh, software platforms that we know and love uh, for autonomous light, flight, uh, ArduPilot, iNav, nothing. Uh, and so it looks like um, this is a, it sounds like a dynamite uh, piece of hardware with their own S uh, software development toolkit. Um, how about that price? $1,169. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, ouch. <laughs> I won't Woo! be buying that. <laughs> Definitely don't want to be crashing that. Yeah, it won't last in a racing drone, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, uh. What was the last article? Did I? Oh, geez. Bounce no, there's one Collision. more article. Oh. One more article built to bounce back. Okay. Go to that one? Yes, please. Thank you. All right. When Last disaster article. happens, search and rescue teams are advancing. Okay, this one. Okay, frame it soft. All right. So this looks like a new technology of. Ah, well, this is interesting. So bounce back. So the idea is. <clears throat> that you build a drone of flexible material so that you don't impart a high, uh, dare I say it, kinetic energy uh, to whatever you're hitting. This is the same philosophy that um, Wing is using in their package delivery. The fuselage of their aircraft is foam. It's very smart. So if it hits something, you know, the, the drone sort of breaks apart. This picture just looks yeah. like a, a drone wrapped in bubble wrap or something. <laughs> it does. It really does. So, you know, to me, it's good that it's innovative. You know, I'm optimistic that more, in, you know, I'm, I in, am in fact hopeful that the uh, noise policy document that we were talking about earlier <clears throat> might stimulate some uh, innovation on uh, pro propeller design. Because there, um, uh, you know, there's certainly some uh, room uh, for uh, for innovation there. Oh, we just have to go That's back right. to the the uh, fiberglass props that shatter as soon as they touch anything. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw someone was like, "Oh yeah, put those in." Uh, we used to boil those uh, so that they'd be a little softer. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. We worry about uh, safety, and we keep telling the FAA that we worry about uh, propeller safety and battery safety with our pilot. So most of what we worry about uh, has to do with uh, preparation or something on the ground. Yeah, drones are way more continue. likely to, to hit you or your fingers when you're working on them than they are when they're out, up in the sky flying around. Right, exactly. Okay, now those are the those are the articles. We've got one we more. Today major FPV related news story. I'm sure Alex could bring it up and talk more well, about it. The Orca goggles over the weekend. Um, 
Did you have any trouble with this yourself, uh, Alex? No, I, I used, you them, used all them all day Saturday. I used them all day Saturday, and they were just fine. So I haven't powered them up since, but... The really short story... The short story is that people were, were firing up their goggles this weekend and they would basically go into bootloader mode, like basically sort of bricking your goggles. You couldn't use them anymore because of the date that was on them. It hit a date, say, reminiscent of the old Y2K bug. You hit this date, everything just stops working. And then I think it was yesterday or this morning, Orca put out a statement about why it happened yeah, and that it's a yeah, ransomware yeah. time bomb, yeah. bricked their goggles. I watched yeah. I watched the uh, Joshua Bardwell and Blunty's um, discussion on this. I thought it was comprehensive. Blunty, do you want to add? Some, because it sounds like there's a, a clean fix that's out there and available now. Uh, it was published yeah, yet. Just beta they were beta testing. It's just the beta, beta testers. I think this afternoon they mentioned it was rolling out to some people. Okay, yeah, beta testers have it currently, but it's not out for public consumption yet. So. Okay. So the really the, the oh, short story is they had a contractor who wrote code that they say put in a deadline where when it gets to this date, your goggles will stop working in the hopes that they could get uh, extort some money out of Orca to get it fixed. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's 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 really just dumb all around. The whole thing is dumb. Like Orca should not have had a blobbed code from an old contractor in their code still. They have plenty of engineers. They could have paid to get rid of this stuff and clean their code up. You, when you release hardware over and over again, you have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of units in the wild. You don't leave blob code in from a contractor. That's not how this works. Okay, so Orca definitely screwed up. Also, the contractor screwed up because how would the licensing even work for this? That you're trying to contact every single person who owns goggles and every single box of goggles anywhere and you're trying to get them to load a file to extend the date to a different time. Like it's just not that's not how products work. That's not how launches work. That's not how timelines work. Or, you know what I mean? That's just not how licensing would work correctly. So, both sides suck. I mean, obviously the guy's lying because licensing can't work like that. And I mean, we'll have to see what the contracts say. But like, it, that's not how that would work. It, yeah, it's if there was not a, possible really. If there was a license that says, okay, our code is going to stop working on this date, obviously Orca would have known about that and had it fixed before that date. Well, what I'm positing is even if that's not the case, there's no way for Orca to update every single goggle in the wild so people would still have this problem, and you would never do that on sure. a published hardware that, that goes out to users. That's what I'm saying. It's that just not an something you would design. Date. Yes, that's not how hardware to users works. You know what I mean? Um, like, or without an obvious license anyway, or some like more information. Anyway, it, so that's garbage. Uh, Orca said they're taking them to crim doing criminal action against them. Um, and then, yeah, Orca was trying to find a fix. They found a way to basically push the date back by holding two buttons or two pads um, and then putting a file over SD, and it would shove the date back. So you, it would circumvent the fix, but they're trying to uh, <coughs> beta test a fix currently that will fix V1 and V2 goggles in race goggles, um, and hopefully that will work. Very lucky that just... Alex's goggles, you didn't... It didn't brick them while you were at the yeah, event this I, weekend. So the reason why I powered them up initially, even though I knew I heard the problem was happening, I thought it was just with newer goggles, the V2s, the pilots, and the race goggles. I thought it was just with that. And so I was like, eh, no, I have the original goggles. They should be fine. And so they were. But and then you were later using, on, I saw, oh, it affected the V1s. You were using these goggles the at the, the Droning On event, right? Yes. So, so that's a pretty good segue to talk a little bit about that event. And uh, so this past weekend, the FAA had 
their droning on event at uh, for the Eastern region. So it's part of the phase community outreach that they're doing to go to nine different regions and uh, see what they're doing and inform the local communities. And um, so and thank, part of this and thank event, you. Thank you for representing us there, Alex. We appreciate it. So, yeah. Uh, and so we went, I grabbed a couple of my of local pilots from Safety Third uh who race all around the area so and emacs also sent us one of their easy pilots so we could uh get some people flying flying and so we brought a bunch of tiny whoops we brought two simulators as you can see in the picture Th those are two folks from the fa flying on the simulator um so what what was the then, order did you have them sit down and connect to the simulator and practice so it's kind a of like bit an assembly and... line we were at the end of the hallway, so we had the whole like room behind us that we set up with a course with a couple of gates and everything. Had a little net in between. But basically, when you got to the start of the hallway, you had the simulators on the left, and then you had a TV with the live feed from the active whoops in the sky. So you could watch those and do both. And then we had a display table showing different types of aircraft with a little handout that had some information of how to get started and get into FPV. So, so excellent. Would, excellent. Did they did they have to show enough proficiency at the simulator before you let them pass and move on to the next phase? Yes. So we, we were like, here you go. Well, for most of the time, we were like, let's go on the simulator first. Uh, there are a couple people who were just like, let's just go straight to the tiny looks, depending <laughs> on how crowded it was and how we needed to flow people through there. But uh, we had some of the FAA folks just go straight to the tiny whoops first. And then were they successful? Some of them went straight. Eh, as successful <laughs> as one can be flying for the first time. How many FAA employees were there? There were. Uh, or at least that tried to fly. That tried to fly probably four or five. Okay. And there are about 10 total who were there. That's more than um, I was expecting. The FA actually had their own uh, drone cage. So they had uh, some knockoff Chinese drone <laughs> that they were flying in, the, in a cage that they had. It wasn't DJI, so they, they, they get props for that. Uh, uh, and then they had a couple of tables. The regional administrator for the area was there. And then... So there, there's quite a few people. There are quite a few people from there, and then it's a fairly well attended event. We had a steady flow of people coming throughout, and our building was the slow. It was well, not the slow building, but the building with the least amount of traffic. There is another building that also had a couple of other stuff in there, uh, but for us, we were still we saw we had a perfect flow of people throughout the day coming and stopping by. So. Uh, I think they said that they were supposed to have, they had 600 some registered, but because the rain, those numbers dropped off because a lot of people expected most of it to be outdoors. Uh, and if the event was outdoors, we were also going to have a station where people could do ride-alongs uh, with some of us. So we'd be flying and then they could, and we had a bunch of spare pair of goggles so people could just put them on and watch. Um, so yeah, yeah we, we had a bunch there. 
can you flip through the rest of your photos? Is there anything? Yeah. So we have a little there? cage here. Um, and behind that wall, it looks like there's a tiny whoop course set up. Yeah. Uh, where's a better picture of that? I got to find. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, oh, here's a picture uh, showing part of it. So we had a we we used an actual ladder as part of it. <laughs> that wasn't just there for the setup. That was actually part of the course. It looks like oh, this is a, a picture during the setup. <laughs> it, no, this is during this is during it. So it it's both. It was it was both used for setup and for uh, obstacle. I during one of the flights when I was doing a ride along for some of the uh folks i did i laddered through an actual ladder so <laughs> you went back I, and forth sure through how, all the rungs most of them but going around just like how you do a normal ladder in a race i did it with a tiny whoop but on an actual ladder that's it was funny. a lot more difficult yeah those that's those are small gaps in that ladder but no well no the difficult part was the distance between them how it just got longer for each time because i was i went through both sides so it just got longer. It just I went top <laughs> down too. Um, then we also uh, had a visitor there where we got spot. Uh, we got spot and uh, if this picture will load because I like this picture. There There's we go. a tiny whoop on the <laughs> nice. Try landing on there. That one was placed, <laughs> but this one we did actually land on it. Um, yeah, Excellent. we landed on perched on spot. I good, good luck perching on a real before. dog. <laughs> I've I done it before with my dog. He lets just your dog with her fur. <laughs> I assume spot was uh, they did a demo with spot. Yeah, uh, so they had spot there. It was owned by the school, so this is hosted at Warren Community College. So. Uh -huh. The school was using Spot. I'm not sure if it. I think it's part. I think it was part of Boston. One of Boston Dynamics programs where they lend them to schools for a time. But I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, hundred to two hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. Yep. Cool. And so yeah, got a bunch That's of great. folks in goggles and just flying around. Uh, plenty of other people. In goggles and around so great uh, thank you we for plenty of families that's yeah. awesome thank you for representing us that's great so now we've gotten like five to ten faa employees behind goggles just uh, a few thousand more think, to go i think we've gotten i think i've probably gotten at least 15 15 All to 20 right. that. I, I think that's where i'm at so far 15 to 20 fa well folks under are goggles. you counting like the ac members or, uh, no uh well, under goggles, no. I guess I've done on the simulator at least fifteen to twenty on the sim. Okay. Still, that's awesome, but still a long ways to go. <laughs> yes. But hopefully next week we'll be. I'll be able to get some more. What's next week? Exponential. Hmm. So, should be a decent number of FA folks there. Excellent. And, and... Yeah. And want to describe quick what is exponential? Is that uh, going on down in it's Florida? Big commercial or uh, it's, no, it's a big commercial conference that's being held in Denver this year. Right, so, Florida last year, Denver this year. Yes, exactly. So 
Um, hosted hosted by AUVSI. Correct. So it's all are commercial you, are focus. You, are you speaking yeah. or, or just attending? I am not. I am just attending. Excellent. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. I think, unless uh, Blunty, anything, anything you wanted to share? Nope. Okay. Dan. Uh, let's see. There was one other minor thing. We have evidence that the FAA has started looking at free applications, right? Yeah, and denying one, and at least denying one. I don't know that any of our applications have received any feedback yet, but none of mine nope. have been denied. Nope. But at least somebody else's has been denied, and they reached out back to us to, for advice on it. So they denied a school because the they're flying. They have been existing flying location. They have been flying in controlled airspace, and they get Lance approval, and it's a fifty-foot AGL uh, area. Okay, fine. The FAA cited that it was. Too, that they would be flying too close to the ground and too close to people, <coughs> creating a safety issue, which I I call so I call foul. On no FPV way. races can ever happen because you fly too close to the ground. I guess. Under with when you know there's they have to use 4S batteries too. <laughs> uh, Ed in YouTube's asking if they've denied anyone's backyard application yet. So. We've only heard of this one case so far from one school getting any feedback whatsoever from the FAA on their free application. Right. Waiting and, for them to deny my backyard, so. Right, and I'm I'm just waiting also. Um, if the timing is very uh, coincidental, shall we say, about the uh, FREA programmatic environmental assessment. So that's going to go into place 60 days from now. Let's see, that's uh, June, July, pretty close to September. <coughs> and so the FAA will have another tool in its uh, work workbench to deny uh, FRIAs uh, with the uh, uh, FRIA P uh, out there. So, yeah, my, my, um, uh, my advice to people, if, uh, if the FAA uh, suggests that a, uh, an environmental impact study be uh, Initiated, just stop, stop the process right there. If you know, do not uh, initiate an environmental impact study. Yes, I batches again. Yep, arg. <laughs> okay, oh, I, I missed one comment over on YouTube. Ed's also saying that we need to get some AMA members behind some FPV goggles so they'll they'll step up more for the hobby. Uh, Dave, have you got on FPV goggles? Yeah, yeah, I'm an AMA member. I've been officer of a local club, but uh, I would guess the higher up you go, the less likely they are to have actually tried FPV or <coughs> flying drones. Yeah, I know a number of the VPs, and I don't think any of them have flown FPV. I don't think Chad or Pujo uh, or Tyler Dobbs have either. They're uh, RC guys. Yeah. So we're 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 continuing to talk with the AMA. We're trying to work together. We're uh, uh, we will we will continue that uh, that view. Uh, I have a hunch they'll probably be very annoyed with us when they read our comments on the uh, 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 Pia Fria or Fria P 
Yeah, I'd be curious to know when were they working with the FAA on that? Was that a year ago? Was that six months ago? It it had to be a while ago. Knowing the FAA's speed at which they approve publication of documents. Otherwise, that's yeah. that's the only other topic I had was that we've seen a tiny, tiny bit of movement in the wrong direction, of right. course, on free applications. Right. Yeah, and they were, yeah, and the response that we got from the FAA because I, I asked the question, "Have you started processing uh, free applications?" Because up until a couple of weeks ago, it sounded like the answer was no. <clears throat> so the answer we got was yes, we have started reviewing applications. So here they are; they're denying a couple. Way to go! At a uh, at a university, by the way, it was, so it was uh, completely legit, and they've been flying there for years, and so yeah. In, and the you know, what the fifty in, foot height limit is below like light poles and stuff. Let, let's say you have a yeah. a football stadium with you know seating and lights around it, and you, you can't fly higher than fifty feet, but you've got a hundred some foot tall towers with lights on them, right? And these were professors. This was not, you know, a couple a couple of guys going, yeah, let's let's make our, our area free. No, this was the school with the professors, and they don't fly unless you know there's no one. You know, they're flying over. So yeah, they're not flying during like a football game or a soccer game, right? They're they're flying when there's correct. no one else using and that field. A vacant field for educational purposes. Yeah, I mean, all legit. So we'll keep at it. And it's also number. And they've all, and it's also number twenty-two. So that means that they've gone through at least twenty-two applications. Uh, yeah, yeah, good point. It good could point. be. Oh. It could be that they're assigned they to different say, people. They did. They did say that they're going to take them in they're sequential order. order. So that was number was twenty-two it? on the education side. Exactly that too. Ooh, good so one. Good one. It could be. Yeah. So they've gone through at least twenty-two of them. <laughs> right. I think I'm in the 80s somewhere on the CBO side, if not higher. Yes, TextJet. The the well, the free is will show up on the uh, UAS. Uh, what is that map? map? Facility facility the facilities map. map? I don't Universe. know that there will be like a list somewhere, but they will show up on that map. Yeah. Yeah, and then that'll be you know, interesting. You show up to an AMA field. Hey, can I fly here? Uh, do you have your AMA? How much money uh, do you have? Oh, yeah. You have your. Uh, yeah. Did you join? Did you join the club? Uh, yeah. Ed's asking if they'll actually approve any sites that fly under Lance approval, or just deny them automatically. They say they Good. would. Yeah. There's. Uh, you know, why have Lance if they're going to disapprove? It just. You know, to me that was just mm-hmm. total, totally erroneous. I just. Uh, I was. You know, but what you know. And you, you, know, you can't say, well, let me, I'll get a waiver. Oh, I'm not flying part 107. So you the, have... only, the only recourse would be to go to airport management and ask them to raise that number um, because I don't think it's in the flight path. Why it's 50 foot, we don't know. But, <clears throat> but that's, I mean, that's within airport management's purview. Pay to fly. Okay. And there are even some flying fields that are inside a controlled airspace that right. have agreements that they don't need Lance for to fly there. Right. And they've got higher yeah, ceilings right. and lots of things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So on that happy note, <laughs> any anything else? One other uh, thing was this weekend or, was uh, ice storm in Milwaukee, and yeah. so we. Uh, this is at the Piet National Ice Center. Uh, it's two hockey rinks next to each other that are converted into a drone race uh, into a track. And is that a multi-GP event as well, Alex? Yes, it's a contracted event for the Montessori School out there. That's and awesome. so they had students flying as well as just standard pilots, and it's probably the biggest prize pool race uh stateside at least uh and so uh they have a tiny trainer class and an open class min chan won the open class i think noiko got second and hyper got third and then i forget what the ranking was for tiny trainer but people got first second and third for that as well very cool very cool. Yeah, seen some photos on that event. I think, you know, the, um, for those of you who have <coughs> noticed that um, DJI has announced uh, FPV capability for two of their drones. Uh, I think it's Mini 3 Pro. I don't know the, I don't know the look, which uh, one DJI from another, but it, it sounded like the slightly more expensive, not an Inspire, but a Mini and a Mavic class. So, that's a real positive from our perspective because when DJI released the first FPV drone and then when they released the Avada, that has uh, had a, a positive knock-on effect overall to FPV. So Avada, uh, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts, is used by many, many public safety organizations across the country. It was a breakthrough product for public safety. Uh, now with additional uh, FPV drones in the sky, uh, this is a good thing for us. And so we will be pushing the uh, improved situational awareness that FPV provides. Uh, so good stuff. All right. Uh, Dan, any there other questions? A, there is a comment in here about or question asking if I am teaching from James, if I am teaching students to fly and I have a part 107 with FPV drones with broadcast modules. Is this considered a part 107 operation or a rec or recreation if I am not taking any money for it? It's considered and a one up. I was actually I was gonna say it depends on the situation. Uh it could be if you're if you're going for a primary <laughs> secondary, if it's for students at a primary secondary school and it's through the school that would fall under 107. So elementary, middle, high school. That would fall under 107. However, if you were doing it as a part of a college or with an institution of higher education as defined in 44809, then you could do it re as for recreation. And Alex, isn't it correct that a CBO can and, grant, yes. char can charter a can charter, yes, to be so that <clears throat> members then can can fly under 44809 so yeah. the instructor can get say it's a um a primary or secondary school yes. because this that's the difference the, a, a cbo can charter the primary or secondary school as a <clears throat> to fly under 44809 and then the instructor should 
have a a part one hundred seven, and this is and so it's a secondary Blunt. school. And and this is thanks to Blunty for finding that in uh, AC ninety one fifty seven C. And flight test is working on their process <coughs> for chartering schools. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the follow. -up we, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Alan. Uh, follow up question: Is it permitted to fly part uh, part one hundred seven off like this with without the without full remote ID merely with a broadcast module after September? So it depends when the aircraft that you're flying was manufactured. If it was before September sixteenth, twenty twenty two, then a broadcast module is just fine. If it was manufactured after that, you technically need standard remote ID. Right. So just right. use everything home and our home our bill yeah it's same our same advice thing. is if it's manufactured after september 16 2022 and you want to fly part 107 put a module on it as a first pass and that you know is that a standard remote id no it's not but you're you're leaning in the in the right direction of trying to comply that's if you know it's like well i couldn't purchase a, a, stand, a new standard remote ID drone, I'm trying to go along with this. <coughs> How do you prove manufacturing date? It's a home built, right? Well, September you know, 15, 2022, right, TechFit? That's when I build all my drones. Ed Will wants to know when uh, when we'll have the green FPV FC logo tees back in stock. I didn't know we were we were out of those. Must have been the most popular ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. Sure. Yes, we're um, yeah. Right now, we're we're not. Uh, I can take a look at the uh, at the inventory, but we had uh, not been uh, had a plan to uh, to restock the shirts. Our shirts are. Uh, uh, we didn't want to make money on the shirts, but they are a money losing proposition for us. <clears throat> Happy to see people wear them and show the colors, but it's uh, uh, so. Uh, we can take a look. Get the other ones before they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good questions. Anything Anything else popping up in the various chats? <laughs> Losing money is a great way to preserve our not-for-profit status. We are definitely still uh, not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, we're doing okay, uh, but we're still not-for-profit. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah you know, we're, we're keeping the lights here, on. Not, not, not for profit. You know, we're making enough to cover uh, light travel and uh, and cover IT and some equipment. My four hundred one k is a not for profit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We watch the. Uh, we're pretty, we're quite careful. Uh, I'm also a banker, so uh, our uh, our books are in. Uh, you know, how we. Uh, comply with the uh, the state of Virginia where we're incorporated as well as the IRS uh, paperwork is all uh, up to date and that's uh, uh, we take that seriously even though it gets a CBO status it's like you know <laughs> whatever that that's may, worth uh, these days and that the couple oh, bucks does CBO get us besides yeah. uh... well the one we can chart you know to me the one thing that it's good you know Korea no, you know that's not that doesn't look like a winner but if we can uh, charter schools. That's a good, you know, to buy 44 uh, schools to fly 44809. That's a positive. 
All right. Anything else? I think we're good. Excellent. Need to go to sleep. <laughs> I can relate. All right. Everyone take care. Thanks. See so you guys much. in two weeks. You bet. Photograph.